And we are back, 37 Years Podcast. We After taking a week off, we're back with a big sports Mets Knicks week this week. Mike Dubin here along with my son, Matt Dubin. How you doing, Matt? Happy to be here after the, the week refresher. Uh, but yeah, good, good to be here with a lot to talk about today. Yeah, a lot to talk about today. So we're going to focus today in the first part of the podcast about the Mets and their season to date so far. And then in the second half, we're going to do a Knicks playoff preview and preview all of the first round NBA series and and go through that in detail. We're going to skip the Jets this week as the Jets are still in the Aaron Rodgers holding pattern. But next week, we will do some great Jets content because we'll be right before the NFL draft. So let's get into the Mets so far. The Mets are eight and six in second place. And they've been, I would call them somewhat flat. Um, They've had some good moments against the Padres, some good moments against the Marlins. And last night they blew out the A's after getting 17 walks, which I'm not sure if that's a record, but if it isn't, it's very close to a record. I mean, just an unbelievably... And, and, and there, the pitch clock went out the window because that game seemed to be going on until all hours of the night. But um, it's been an interesting season so far in that the Mets have, I, I think, other than some good moments against San Diego, have not played against great competition. And we want to go in detail on what we call the good so far, the bad, and the needed. But before we get into that, and I'll, I'll sort of lead that, Matt, what are your thoughts on the Mets so far? And then we'll get into detail on some of these areas. Yeah, I, I think with the Mets, Dad, you you made the correct characterization of it. It's been an up and down start. The team has kind of been bleh, kind of boring, not super exciting as many were expecting in the offseason. And there could be that attribution to injuries. But I think also there's been, as we'll go through in some of the lists, we're going to talk about some of these things that have been slightly disappointing to, to start the season. So I think you hit the nail on the head up and down so far more to be seen, more to correct. More right. To and I don't think, and I don't think, you know, beating Oakland last night by like whatever the score was 17 to six, I think the, the A's missed an extra point, but it would have been uh, <laughs> uh, closer, but it's like, that doesn't make up for all the ills. So we, we, we call this segment for the Mets, the good, the bad and the needed. And let's start with the good. And I'll give you a few things. We'll go down some of these things that we've observed so far. The obvious good has been Pete's power. I mean, six yeah. home runs. He has been just a monster. And and he has, you know, carried the team into, you know, in some of these wins here, other than Lindor last night having like a, a season in, in one night. But uh, no one else has really shined, but Pete has been just a rock star. Matt, your thoughts on on that? Yeah, Pete's the pop in the bat has been there. He's been making great plate appearances. He's hit a bunch of home runs, like you said. Nothing really to complain with Pete about, and I think he's he's continued to be that heart and soul for the Mets. Yeah, and 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 I think that's someone who over time they should lock up for a career. Uh, sort of the way the Yankees did with Aaron Judge. So Senga, Kodai Senga, has overall been good. Last night a li- ran out of gas a little bit, if, if anyone could stay up and watch that. But he has been as advertised, and I think that he has been the highlight 
of the starting pitching staff for sure. And uh, so far, so good with him. And and he's an he's an exciting guy, especially after losing Diaz for the year. He gives them sort of a little bit of buzz in the starting rotation. Matt, your thoughts? It's, it's interesting because I think a big concern, like we talked a lot about in previous episodes, was coming from overseas, would Senga be able to to withstand the the longer innings count i think when he was overseas he was pitching in much shorter increments yeah and once and a week yeah once a week and the, and the bigger question was could he kind of sustain this and we've seen in the start of the season that he's had some very good outings i'm i, I was always very high on sango i think we both thought he was going to be very good and it was a very good pickup uh for steve cohen but it's it's turned out to be good for the mets just because their rotation there's been some up and down there as well uh, and to have him kind of fortified is is excellent. Yeah, he's been sort of the rock in the rotation so far, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more. The other thing that's been a pitching positive, with Diaz going out, we were very uncertain about the bullpen back end. And so far, the team of Robertson and Ottavino has lived up to their promise and, and has been very reliable in the when they've gotten into closing and game lead situations. Now, one of the things we'll talk about is, and this is always a concern in the early part of the season, is not pitching these guys too much. And and so far, you know, they they it seems like they're a tandem that they they it's not like one or the other, but they'll they'll flip flop. I know in one game out of Vino closed it out, I think in the last Padres game. Robertson pitched earlier into the heart of the lineup. So I think so far that has been a good uh, omen for the Mets. No, definitely. And I think there was obvious concerns with the closing situation when Diaz went down in the World Baseball Classic. But these the two guys have been very solid. They've been very reliable. And I think it'll be foreseen. I think Adovino's a little bit older. Robertson, you know, he, with his durability – to see if they can go the distance for the season, I think is, is the ultimate issue. But right now things are holding steady. You might have to make some move, moves closer to the deadline, but I think for now it's better than expected if you're the Mets in terms of your relief pitching situation. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think we just got to, you know, it's got to be very closely monitored. And one of the things we'll talk about later is the idea that they will probably need to, at some point, add extra bullpen arms if for nothing else but for depth. The other things that have been positive, and this is a small positive, but it, it relates to the new, the new rules in baseball. And one guy who has benefited from the new rules is, is Brandon Nimmo, who, with the, extra, which, with the extra size of the bases, he has taken on a role where he's running much more. And I think that's a very positive signed for the Mets at the top of the order as him and Marte are really the only guys who get steals. Now, Nimmo never used to steal, but this year he seems to be doing that. Matt, I think that's a good thing for the Mets. Yeah. It's kind of a two factor thing here. The steals with the, with the bigger bases, I think is a, a great thing for Nimmo because he's not just a hustle guy, but he's a guy who can actually run really fast and just overall base running, I think I've noticed an, an uptick from him, able to get those extra extra bases and go go a little bit further and, and get those RBIs and runs and et cetera. Uh, so I think it's really benefited him as someone who not only works really hard when he's running, but can really go fast. Yeah, and I think the other thing is sort of interrelated is the pitch clock has been great as a baseball fan to watch. And I think that the idea that they can only throw over twice – 
has helped Nimmo also get bigger leads, get a little more out there, and uh, ultimately has helped. Uh, the, you know, the pitch clock is a plus as we watch the games. Although the game last night with the 17 walks, the pitch clock didn't help at all. So, yeah, um, there's, there's still certain situations where I've noticed in watching games where the game is still going to take a while. There's still slow moments, but I feel like overall, baseball is is getting closer to its it's modern apex in terms of accomplishing what it wants to with the pitch clock. Yeah. So I think, well, you know, I think overall the response to that has been good. A few, a few hiccups here and there, but all good. And the other thing that seems good, although we haven't been to a game yet this year is just seeing the new scoreboard at city field on TV looks very, very cool. Yeah, it looks, it looks beautiful. I think that's Steve Cohen's invested a lot into this team and not just player wise, but aesthetically the stadium upgrades and food and et cetera. Uh, the the scoreboard looks great. I think it's a it's a great fan experience going to City Field, and it it's just that much better with a with a new yeah. fresh scoreboard. So looking forward to the new scoreboard, and we'll try and get out on the next series. Um, so here are some of the things where there's been uh, what I would call in the good, the bad, and the needed section. This is the bad part. Uh, lack of power besides Pete. I think we've discussed that. I, I think. The problem is it's not even just lack of power, but it's also lack of the clutch hitting. And it just seems even in the games they've won, it's been getting a lot of guys on base. It got a guy guys left on base. There's except for Pete, no one's really hitting home runs. Forget Lindor last night because that was great. And he's getting he seems to be getting a little hotter now. It's still early in the season, but the hitting hasn't been there in particular. Escobar at third has just not been hitting and is not um, up to speed. And the DH combination with Vogelback, Fam, and a few others has not really been there. Matt, what you know? So I think there's just an overall lack of offensive punch. Yeah, and it's like we talked about, I think, in in the previous previous weeks, but the the lack of the lack of pop the lack of live bats i think is concerning and it reminds me of two years ago where they kind of just two seasons ago where they kind of just a lot of low scoring not even low scoring but games where they kind of needed just like excitement and it really didn't didn't come and i think right now some of the guys in the minors we you know may talk about that a lot of yeah. the guys in the minors are doing great so there might change might be needed to bring some excitement some youth a revitalization to the Mets lineup yeah let, let's stay on that for a second because here here's the thing I mean every night I look at the minor league team and it's like they're hit everyone's hitting home runs Beatty Vientos Maurice Mauricio looks like he hits a home run every 15 minutes yeah if you watch the, these these highlights and honestly I don't know how I and maybe this is going to happen sooner rather than later but I got to think that they're going to bring Beatty up uh, to take care of, to take, you know, at least to platoon with Escobar. I don't know how long they can hold out on that. Yeah, I mean, Beatty's been unbelievable. It's like every time I update Twitter, Beatty's hitting a home run or doing something else. So it's like, and, and Ronnie Mauricio and Viento. So it's like, it's just, if you have good young guys, the Mets need, you can't like drag it along with some of these veterans if it's not working you need to put the influx of youth in and kind of just roll with it yeah and I think there's two things I think that's probably the first line of defense the other thing is the Mets never really uh upgraded their DH over the winter I I mean fam is like a, a little upgrade but he's not a big upgrade 
they need a fifth hitter hitting behind Pete in the lineup. Correa would have been a nice addition. He hit a few home runs against the Yankees last night in, in Yankee Stadium, but that didn't happen. They never really upgraded. They stuck with Ruff through spring training. Now it was funny. They're playing, Mets are playing San Francisco next week, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis, Wilmer Flores, and Darren Ruff all in the lineup they'll be facing. So that's kind of interesting. So between, you know, eventually getting a DH and giving these rookies, that, that falls into sort of the needed bucket to help the lineup. Um, so the other piece that's tricky for the Mets is the starting staff because you have Senga. Uh, Max was better in his last outing, but has been kind of, you know, lumbering through. And we have yet to see Justin Verlander. And I guess, Matt, the question is, who do you think we'll see first? Justin Verlander pitch or Aaron Rodgers traded to the Jets? That's that's a toughie. I think Verlander will come back sooner than we think. It's, I mean, Rodgers, it's Well, Rodgers, we have the draft coming up. So yeah, we'll have so to see. it's possible. But yeah. I, maybe Verlander. I don't know. It's kind of complicated with both. So I, I but, pick Verlander, but not by much. Yeah, because I think at this point, Carrasco's sort of the Escobar of the starting oh. staff. He's been brutal. Yeah. Um, you know, Peterson and McGill have been all right. I mean, and I think they're going to have to play a role the whole season. Um, and you know, there, there are potential guys. You can always sort of get a starter in the market, but I think before we can make an accurate judgment, um, on the starting staff, we're going to need Verlander to pitch. Yeah. That's, that's more of a well-rounded rotation. I think with Verlander Carrasco has been rough. It's, it's not really hard to tell with that. And someone tweeted out no championship team should have Carlos Carrasco in the back end of the rotation, which could end up being true. I mean, the Mets may have to make some strategic moves there. Um, and even even back to the DH discussion you just had about, you know, Vogelback and Tommy Pham, the Mets, I think, after the Carrasco debacle kind of just said fine. Correa, that- Correa debacle. Oh, Correa, yeah, yeah not Carrasco, Correa. It's, they kind of just said, fine, we'll roll with it. But I really think they missed an opportunity to get to get another bat. And I do agree with you on that, that fifth slot. Yeah, they need a fifth hitter. I mean, there's a chance that some of the rookies could come up. I mean, I think with Beatty, you're going to have him very targeted for third base. I'm not sure where Vientos and Mauricio fit in other than at DH. Mauricio seems like a stud based on watching them the minor leagues. And actually, just as a tip for people, if you get the MLB package, they not only show uh, the, uh, you know, the out-of-town games on, on your on your uh, iPad or whatever or your computer, but they also show the minor league games for, the, for your home oh, teams. Oh, wow. So that's pretty, that's that. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. So you can, you can watch that. So that's pretty cool. So I think in the needed, they need to upgrade DH. Now, there's one other thing. Alvarez has come up, and I think – so far, he seems a little timid also. and they're, But at the same time, I don't think they're giving him a full shot yet. It seems like he's you know, playing a game here and a game there. So that's another one who could be helpful, both as a bat and obviously the injuries to catcher um, with Navarez going out. So, And the other sort of area I think is in the needed, and we brought this up a little bit more is before, is the idea that 
while Robertson and Adovino have been great and, you know, Drew Smith's been all right and some of these other guys and, and Brooks Raley, they're probably going to need one or two more arms in the back of the bullpen just so they don't burn out the main guys by yeah. later in the season who completely are a little agreed. bit older. Yeah, yeah so. I completely agree just because the bullpen's a little older and I think that they need that durability for the regular season, the playoffs, and just to get over the hump in some of these tougher series. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, so I think, look, I mean, I think where we're at with the Mets right now it's been a little bit flat. They've had a little bit of an easy schedule. This weekend against the A's should be hopefully a three-game sweep. But then they play the Dodgers and Giants in California next week. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games against Dodgers will be great. And then the Giants, it's like a homecoming with all the guys, ex-Mets on the team. And I think by a week from now, we'll have a better handle on where the Mets are at. And I'm also thinking... Um, by a week from now, we'll probably at least see Beatty in the majors. Uh, and then, you know, maybe one or two of these other guys also. Matt, any final thoughts on the Mets? No, I think I think what we talked about, the influx of talent, getting some of these other positions plugged up will be crucial for the Mets going forward. But I also think it's early in the season and kind of to have a good judge of the vantage point of, of what or judgment of the vantage point of what the Mets could be I think by next week we will like you said we will have a better grasp on that going yes forward. baseball is a marathon not a sprint so yep. we will see all right well this is a good way to start the pod we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about the Knicks uh, versus the Cavs and the rest of the NBA playoffs as we begin the playoff chase today we'll be back in a moment And we are back, and we have a big playoff series beginning tonight at 6 p.m. New York time with the Knicks and the Cavs, which to me looks like the most competitive of the Eastern Conference series. We'll go through all of the first-round series uh, later on, but the Knicks and Cavs looks like a potential classic. Matt, what are your high-level thoughts, and and then we'll get into some specific things. Yeah, I it's the best of the East, as I like to say. Two very good teams that I think have matched up in the regular season well. Gonna be gonna be very interesting in terms of all the specific you know matchups. We'll get into that, but overall, very excited. I think the, this is the most it factor from any of the other uh, you know matchups going on. So really exciting stuff, and just pump later. Yeah, I think it's going to be great to see the first two games from Cleveland, but even better to see uh, games in Madison Square Garden. There's nothing like a playoff game in Madison Square Garden. So let's talk about a few of sort of the keys to the series. I think the first one is the health of Julius Randle, which at this point is an unknown. And I know there's a lot of people looking at the Knicks and going, oh, they played great at the end of the season without Julius Randle. But I think that was very deceptive. Those were sort of meaningless games. The Knicks were pretty locked in the last two weeks to the fifth spot. So, Matt, what is your thoughts on Randle and his potential impact on this series? Yeah, so like I said, kind of in our last episode, Randle's health is imperative, I think, to the Knicks' success. To say that the Knicks can match up well with the Cavs without him is possible. Without him is possible, but it's not plausible in the sense that Jared Allen being healthy now and some of these other guys, uh, Evan Mobley, they need they need as many bigs as they can throw it at uh, Cleveland. And to not have one of your top physical guys, but just like guys who can get you a bucket, I think is is not 
factual to say that, oh, they're better off or good without him. So hoping Randall's ankle tests out fine and that he can he can go later. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you're right. I think, that, you know, Cleveland, one of their sort of key strengths are the big men, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley and some of the other guys they throw out there. I think the 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 thing that's been good of the last few weeks is that Obi has stepped up. And but he's just not as physical a player as Randall. And I think for playing a team uh, like the Cavs, you're going to need that physicality. Yeah, And it's not to say that like that Randall is like and, and I want to make a comparison here. Randall's not some, some got, you know, godly defender, but he's he holds his own on defense. He keeps his man in front of him most of the time. With with Obi, I love I love Obi's offensive game. I think he grabs a lot of rebounds. I think he does a lot of the good stuff well, and he's still developing. But there's still that piece to his game where I don't know if he can keep a guy like Evan Mobley in front of him, which is a concern if if Randall can't go. Yeah, no, and I think look, and I think you're going to see you know a lot of Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein on these guys, and that's going to be like a key battle down low. But you're right, we're going to need. Randall, if not today, then for at least most of the series. So keep an eye on that. I mean, the other key matchup is the Donovan Mitchell-Jalen Brunson matchup. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was watching, I think it was ESPN before, and they were showing it in the Dallas-Utah series last year. Luka didn't play in the beginning of the playoffs. And it was Mobley against Brunson, and Brunson uh, – Kicked, kicked it there. He was great. And uh, what is your thoughts on this key matchup, Matt? It'll be interesting because I think for Mitchell, he hasn't really established his playoff legacy at all. Right. And I think for Brunson last year without Luca, he was able to establish himself as a vital piece in a, in a playoff run and really show what he was about. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think neutralizing Mitchell is going to be a key for the Knicks, staying in front of him, making sure – you're not, it's not like Mitchell's going to be held to zero points, but you got to give him fits. And Brunson, not known specifically for his defense, has to make sure that Mitchell's in check throughout the game. Yeah. And specifically in late game situations, I think keeping Mitchell in check is going to be um, key. Um, so I think that's going to be so. I think there's the Randall factor, the big man, the Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson. Matt, who do you think is the key Knicks player besides Brunson or Randall for this series? I think I think in this series, rim protection is going to be a key thing, not just for for like the big men, but I think just overall that both teams aren't prolific three point shooting teams, and I think that's why it's a factor. I got to say, Mitchell Robinson, he doesn't get as much love as some of these other players. He's not as flashy, but he does the little things in terms of rim protection to get to get the Knicks to where they want to be. And I think in a series like this, where the teams are so evenly matched that it's going to come down to the little things like that and blocking shots and cleaning up rebounds. It's not going to be who's going to out superstar each other. I think it's going to come down to that, the the blocking out rebounds, blocking shots. So I think Robinson is an X factor. Yeah. I, I think you're right in terms of the big guys that Robinson is going to be an X factor. I think we're going to also need to see an X factor from IQ. Yeah, I think he. I, I think he's going to need to. You know, he was great when Brunson was out. He's been great all season. He should be sixth man of the year, and we're going to need him to play very high level. I also think Ob, as we talked about before, is going to need to be high level whether Randall plays or not. 
And I think this is sort of his moment to shine. Um, And I think that, you know, those two who now I believe are in their third year, this is their moment. I think another X factor for the Knicks, as he was down the stretch, is Josh Hart. And I think he can, you know, they, they sort of have some guys like a Coro and a bunch of other sort of role player types, but Josh Hart has really stepped up the level and he should be a really good playoffs player. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing with the Knicks where they have a a, a astute advantage over the Cavs is the second unit for the Knicks is a lot stronger than the Cavs. It's just one of those things where I think the Knicks really with Hartenstein, (laughs) Hartenstein IQ, uh, some of the some of the other guys, they have to really, or even Quentin Grimes when he doesn't start, he come or whatever. Yeah. So they really have to capitalize in that second unit because the Cavs really, it's like Dean Wade, some of these random dudes. Who yeah, are yeah. Just okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what do we think is the best case for the Knicks in this series? Give give me your sort of thoughts. I think on the that. best case is they win in it's best of seven series, right? Yes. Yeah. Best so, of seven. Yeah, best of seven. So I think best case, they win 4-2. Uh, they're, they're able to, you know, they lose two games, but they win win four of six. Um, I think that's a good series win for them. They come out strong, maybe steal split in Cleveland and then win two at the Garden and kind of cruise from there. So, yeah, I think winning winning out of six, four would be, would be a great yeah. thing for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that, you know, that if they sort of hit on all cylinders and all the things we're talking about and, you know, Randall actually makes a big contribution because I don't think they're going to sort of see their best case if Randall either doesn't play or is very limited. That's my concern. Now, when worst case would be is if he doesn't play or is very limited or they, you know, I, I like I look back at the Atlanta series from two years ago, which was a very disappointing playoff. I think that this team is going to be different than that team for a lot of reasons. I think that team was sort of at the end of their rope. And I think it might have been good that they had a few weeks sort of to um, take off here a little bit and rest. I think this team has a lot more toughness than that team. And I think this team isn't relying on the same on the same exact proposition. I think Barrett was more of an an emphasis point. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have enough guys in that series. I mean, I think they had a nice regular season. Derrick Rose was relied on way too much. You know, they still had all those, and I don't even remember Alfred Payton and all these other point guards. It's a to you know, Brunson adds a whole different dimension. And Randall had a great season too this year. And I think that the the thing with the Knicks is it's more of I think then it was like happy to be in the playoffs type of attitude. Mm-hmm where this team is like, why not us? Why can't we win, you know, some series? Like, this team feels like they can win win at a high yeah, level. Yeah, I agree. So what is your prediction for this series, Matt? I think I think it could go seven. Um, I just think both teams are very evenly matched up. I think the Knicks will win in seven. It's going to be a hard-fought series. I think that's a great year for the Knicks if they win this series and whatever else happens, happens. But it just, like, to me – both teams have very good positives and negative. It's just like th- this isn't like one team is substantially better than the other, like some of these other series. It, the Knicks and, and Cavs are very close in terms of talent level and composition. So, yeah, seven game series. And they're sort of in the same places in, in development in terms of, you know, sort of ages and everything. I mean, I look at this 
pretty much the same way you do. I think the one factor is if Donovan Donovan Mitchell is dominant, the, you know, it could fall the other way. I think this is going to be a very close series with a lot of ups and downs. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if even in the first game today, one team wins pretty handily, but then the next game, the other team comes back and wins. It's going to be that type of series. I think the Knicks are going to have to maintain their home game advantages in the garden and win, if not all three of those games, then definitely two in order to win the series. Um, so I'm picking the Knicks in seven also, but it may be a hard seven. It may be even where they lose the first two and then storm back kind of thing. We'll have it, to see. I, it's very Today to me is very much of a mystery of how they're going to come out. Some of it involves Randall. I don't know that we should use the last two weeks of the regular season as like a proxy for what this is going to be because, you know, some of those games were so chancy. Yeah, and, and really I think the standard for the Knicks should be winning in the playoffs because, well, one, it's something that's rarely done with the Knicks, but two, this season, this regular season was one of the best in recent memory, and I think to really capitalize on that success, winning in the playoffs would, would feed that because I think with the it's like a comparison to the Mets last year where they had this unbelievable regular season and then they kind of just fizzled out in the playoffs. And it, yeah. You know, yeah. No, they, there. they, they came out flat in the playoffs. They were the, they, I mean, the difference with the Mets, the Knicks was the Mets were sort of flat in September yeah. too, and sort of faded at the end. I think for the Mets that their playoff last year was sort of like the Knicks versus Atlanta two years ago. Yeah, so fair. I'm hoping this is like a different dimension for the Knicks. So so let's uh, let's root for the Knicks tonight, and hopefully we, when we come back to you next week, we're in a very either tight playoff series or the Knicks are advancing. Now, we also want to go around the rest of the NBA and just preview the first-round series. And I think we'll start in the East, although the East um, is not as exciting in the West. But the first series is Nets and Sixers, which I'm sort of cheating here. The game is on TV in the background, and uh, uh, the Nets are sort of holding their own in the first game, although it looks like one of these games where Philadelphia will roll through. Matt, what do you think of the Nets-Sixers series? Who, who's going to win there? I think the Nets are like a nice team. I think they have some decent guys, but I think the, the Sixers end up winning the series. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to approximate how many games, but I don't think it's going to be that much of a, a crazy pursuit for them. Yeah, I think this is a Sixers series. I mean, I I, yeah. I think the Sixers and the five or six maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think this is going to be an easy series for the Sixers. I, I and once again, Nets are a nice story. They didn't fold after the Durant and Kyrie trades, but and they have some nice building blocks for the future. But it's not. This isn't going to be their series. This is Philadelphia, sort of at a point, a whole different point in their in their existence. Now, Celtics and Hawks. I'll I'll start with that. I don't see the Hawks making much of a dent here. I think the Hawks got a little better as the season went on, you know, new coach and sort of renewed purpose. But the Celtics, to me, are a top team, and I don't see them losing to the Hawks in this series. Yeah, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and the rest of the guys are unbelievable. Their Celtics are a great team. The Hawks have been kind of a mishmash of randomness. Yeah, um, I don't think they're very good. Maybe maybe Celtics in five Celtics in four. Yeah, it's going to be I think that's going to be a, a walkover. And likewise, the Bucks in the heat. I just I, well, I think the Heat's sort of at the end of the line with the crew they have. It was nice 
you know, they had a nice win against the Bulls the other last night, but I just don't see them giving the Bucks much of a series either. I'll I'll actually prove a counterpoint, but it, okay. it's not a strong counterpoint. <laughs> I'll just say it because Butler and Adebayo are two very good players, and I think the Heat are kind of a random mix of guys, and they're not great. But when you have two guys of that talent level and you can match up with some of the high-level talent of the Bucks, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's still going to be Bucks in four or five. But yeah, no, I agree. Look, Bucks, I mean, the Heat, the Heat could pull a few wins there. I, yeah. I think I, I totally see that, but I just don't see the Bucks losing a series to the Heat. That's yeah. all. Um, now the West is a completely different animal because I look at all of these series, and there's some element to some of the underdogs let's i'm going to go out of order here let's start with maybe one of the easier ones clippers and Suns. i'll start with this one i i think with paul george not playing i and durant you know this is sort of durant's playoff series to prove he's the guy i think the Suns will will take this one pretty handily like in four or five games yeah without paul george it's Kawhi is a one-man show and i don't think he has the Kawhi's great, but he doesn't have the juice to get it done by himself. So, yeah, I agree. Four or five for the Suns. Yeah, so that to me is let's start with that. Now, I'll, this is an interesting one. Nuggets in Minnesota. What do you think of that series, Matt? Well, are, is everybody for the Nuggets healthy? Yeah, Nuggets are pretty healthy. I mean, Minnesota's an interesting team. I mean, uh. I I think the Nuggets win maybe in six. I don't know if it's as easy as everybody thinks it's going to be. The Nuggets have had some moments where they're they're they haven't been historically great in the playoffs with this with this group of guys. So yeah, it might be a little harder than I think they anticipate. So maybe Nuggets in six. Yeah, I agree. See, I think the Nuggets will win this series, but I also think that Minnesota. And I watched the game against Oklahoma City last night, and I watched a lot of the Lakers game. Minnesota has a collection of guys that I don't think has played together all year until now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Rudy Gobert had to sit out the other night. Carl McDaniels. Anthony, yeah, I don't know if McDaniels is even playing, but like all these other guys. But, you know, now they sort of have an interesting core. Anthony Edwards, Gobert is going to be playing, and Mike Conley is a good veteran. I don't see the Nuggets losing, but I see this being like a six or seven game series. How about that? That, no, that I don't, one. I don't. I don't hate that counterpoint. I think that's fair when you look at the composition <laughs> and how they match up. I think the Nuggets. The reason why they haven't been super successful in the playoffs is because defensively they're just not that great. And I think when you play some of these teams that can neutralize them offensively, it's they don't. They can't get stops at the other end. Yeah. So that's a. That's an interesting series. Now, we're going to get to the two most interesting series. Golden State, Sacramento. What a series this is. It's First of all, you know, uh, geography-wise, it's, you know, about a half hour to an hour drive from Golden State to Sacramento. Sacramento is hasn't been in the playoffs in like 15 years or something. What are your thoughts on this series? So, like, I saw something on Twitter where they haven't been on, like, one of the big networks since 2007, Sacramento. Yeah, like Bob, Bobby Jackson and uh, Pager. So. Yeah, which is, like, insane to Chris think about. Chris Webber, yeah. In, like, 15, you know, that many years, but um, 16, whatever years. But the Kings are good. Like, they're... I agree. The Aaron Fox, the bonus. I mean, they're... Uh, Keith, uh, Chris Murray. Um, 
Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray yeah. yeah, Kurt Chris's brother. Uh, they're a good team, and like this is an exciting young team. Golden State, obviously, all the veterans, Steph Curry. Uh, I think the Kings take this one, though. I don't know. Yeah, the trendy pick is Golden State. It's defending yeah. champion. You got to beat the champ to be the champ, as someone famous once said. This is a really tough call. Um, I'm going to pick Golden State. I know that's sort of the conventional wisdom, but I just feel that Sacramento might be like a year early. And yeah. this is this is probably the worst playoff series they could have been dealt. Like if they had got, you know, and then the West was scrambled to the last day. Um, but I think this is going to be a great series. This could be a six or seven game series. It's yeah. regionally just, you know, and, and then um, Mike Brown being the coach of Sacramento and he had been the Lakers, the uh, Warriors assistant for Steve Kerr for many years. So there, this is going to be. This is a fantastic series, and yeah. I, I, so I, I, I'll give I'll give a counterpoint to your assertion. Kind of thinking about this, who who is guarding Demonis Sabonis? Because if like Kavon Looney on Sabonis, if Sabonis has thirty and fifteen every game in this series, it's a wrap. I think I I don't know how great the post defense is for Golden State. And if Sabonis is just owning the paint, I think even with all the three-point shooting, it's not going to matter. I think I think the Kings have what it takes. I mean, there might be that nervousness factor, that, that jitteriness, but I just think if Sabonis operates, if he just does what he wants, I think the Kings are going to win the series. Yeah, this is going to be a great series. I'm picking Golden State, but certainly not a lock there. Now, the last series... And this is going to be a doozy also is Memphis versus the Lakers with Memphis having the home court. Matt, your thoughts on this one? Memphis Lakers is Memphis. Everybody's healthy. Everyone's healthy. Everybody's healthy. Uh, LeBron, like I've watched some of the Lakers, like LeBron and AD have been playing well toward the end of the year. The Lakers kind of stunk for a while. They got, yeah, yeah, no, they've been playing great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting team. I think I like Memphis, Desmond Bain, John Moran, even though he had that yeah. whole incident. Um, Steven Adams, like they're Steven it, Adams is injured. Yeah, he's Steven injured. Steven injured, but injured. but you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is, is yeah, so great. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, the Lakers could win. That's how crazy the LeBron James effect is. Because I agree. I think the I think Memphis, you know, John Morant's exciting, whatever, but like LeBron just comes out in the playoffs and can do magical things. And Anthony Davis has been playing well, and they're all kind of gelling. So bad draw for Memphis, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, the Lakers could win. That's I'm yeah, not they will win, but they could win. So I, I agree. I think the Lakers could win. I think Memphis is going to win. I Something tells me this is the breakthrough series for Memphis. I think Memphis is like one step ahead of Sacramento. In terms of their, you know, they've been they've been sort of making the playoffs the last few years. I think they got through the John Morant controversy in the middle of the season. Yeah, they're playing pretty well. Desmond Bain is unbelievable. Jaron Jackson, great. you know. Now that being said, it's very hard to pick against LeBron and AD and a and a and an improved Lakers squad. You know, with D'Lo also. Yeah. Um. It, it's going to be, I think, a great series. I think there are. Two phenomenal series in the West between Memphis and the Lakers and Golden State Sacramento. I think the Knicks 
Cavs is the only really great series in the East. I think the other ones are going to sort of stay true to form. And then I think, you know, Suns and Nuggets will probably come through. Suns definitely. Nuggets, it's going to be tougher than people think against Minnesota. So I think we have some – this This is one of the best times of the year because you have the NBA playoffs on every night. You have baseball on every night. You have the lead-up. We didn't talk about football this week, but we will next week, to the NBA, the NFL draft. You have – the hope that Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Jets within the next week and a half, because this has just been going on too long. And I think we need to get some closure on that. And I think the league probably wants closure on that because they're going to be setting the uh, TV schedules. So, Matt, we have a lot to talk about uh, for the next few weeks, but I think we, it was a very productive discussion today. Your, your final thoughts. Yeah, very productive discussion, and I think there's a lot of exciting developments for, for all three of our teams. Yes, and, and a lot of TV watching over the next uh, week. So um, thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back next week and keep the feedback and the good vibes that we've been getting on this, and we'll keep growing our base here. Thank you very much. Thank you.